fear not. Let's look at Psalm 34. And it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Now, some of you know and some of you may not know. I have mentioned through the years that Psalm 34.4, this next verse that we're about to read, has always been a foundational verse for me in my life. It goes back to being one of the first, perhaps not the first, but one of the first verses that I learned before the walk with the Lord began. And this is what it says. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, and delivereth them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. And let's just stop there. I mean, what Bible verse isn't fantastic, but this psalm is fantastic. When you're afraid, when you're concerned about life, when you're concerned about things, fear not. Let me say this to you, starting this message. To have faith in God, I mean, real faith in God, biblical faith in God, is not easy. Don't believe the preachers that just make it sound like, just believe God. Because when you're really pressed up against it, when you're really in trouble, that's when it gets very difficult to believe God. And then the questions arise, which are natural. You know, God, where are you? Why is this happening to me? I just addressed that during the communion service. Why me, Lord? Well, why not you? Why not? Happens to other people. Do you realize that the more that you want to draw close to the Lord, the more God is going to oblige you? By bringing chastening and discipline into your life so that he can make you what he wants you to be. So I exhort you again, if you're going through a period right now where you feel you're being chastened by the Lord, which is very much akin to John 15, where Jesus talks about every branch in me that bears fruit, the Father prunes it, purges it, so that will bear more fruit. I would suggest strongly as your pastor to thank God for that. Because it's not natural to thank God for pain or suffering or confusion and chaos and mental distress and whatever you're going through. It's not natural. We don't ordinarily thank God or anybody for that. We grouse or we complain or we blame. But I find God speaking in my life during situations, troubling situations, desperate situations, and so on, when it is not easy to trust God. It's easy to trust God when everything's going great because it doesn't take any trust. It's going great. But the more the storm comes upon your life and the more intense it is, the more difficult it is to trust God. But anyway, it is advisable in the scriptures to thank God for chastening or pruning because that means that you're one of his. And the scriptures say that if you are without chastisement, and this is a biblical word, so I don't have to be afraid of using it. He says you're a bastard, illegitimate children. They're around for the sunshine and the rainbows. But when the trials hit the church as a whole or individuals, you get a kind of a glib, you know, well, I'll pray for you, which is good if they actually pray. But sometimes you need a little bit more than that. You need people to reach out, somebody to reach out to you, say, what can I do? How can I help you? 
If you are in a place right now where the hand of the Lord is on you for chastening, for pruning, so you bear more fruit, give him thanks. For the scripture says, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise will be in my mouth continually. Not just when times are good. I will bless the Lord at all times. All times. And I'll add, I will bless the Lord for everything. Everything. Because there is nothing that can come into your life if Christ is actually your Savior. There is nothing that can come into your life but what God has either ordained or permitted for your welfare, for your good. He is able to make me what he wants me to be. Now, I often said, I would not write a book like this. I would have made it much simpler, and I would have made it much more rosy and cheerful. You know, the spirituality part of it, the growth part of it is just an easy thing and all that. But that's not the reality. The reality of it is that life is difficult, and it always has been difficult. But I will suggest to you, how much more difficult is life when you don't have Christ? How much more difficult is life when you don't have people around you praying for you and caring for you and showing their care? How much more difficult? We have to be very grateful that we're so blessed, that we have what we have. Because there's many people out there that don't have what you have. Some have very little support. Some have none. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Now, we know your Bible should have a heading on it, probably has a heading on it. But this is specific to the time when David was afraid of Abimelech, and he changed his behavior. He was acting crazy, spitting on his beard and all that, scratching at the door. Though we could question his approach, he still gives thanks to God that God delivered him from the wrath of this king, this enemy king. And so David says, I will bless the Lord at all times because I saw him and he heard me. So we don't know all that was in David's mind as he's scratching at the door and he's got spittle on his beard and he's acting crazy. And the king basically had mercy on him saying, what do I got to do with this crazy man? Just get him out of here. But he gave the credit to God. And what was in David's mind, we don't know, but being human just like you and me, it was probably a lot of the same things that you're afraid of. Fear just compounds your problems. When you're going through situations, you're going through difficulties, you're going through trials, what you want to do is to keep it simple. Grief, for instance, when you grieve, you want to keep it without adulteration and mixing in fear and anger and blame and hatred, because that makes it worse, and the situation gets worse, the pain gets worse, the grief gets worse. So you want to keep your suffering as pure as possible so that it's just pure. In other words, you don't want to add in fear. And that's what's taken over our society. That's what's taken over the church. Now look, we're not exempt from this. I was reading again last night in Isaiah. Say not a confederacy, which if you look at a looser translation of the Bible, says it's conspiracy. Don't say a conspiracy, a conspiracy, like these other people are saying. Don't do it. What that does, all this conspiracy hunting and all this stuff is, first of all, it's speculation. Not all of it, but most of it is just junk. And you're filling your mind with more anxiety, more hatred, more anger, more fear. Look, at you either trust God or you don't. Amen. It's as simple as that. The message I had prepared for last week, and I wasn't here, was along these lines. Google search or God's word. You can either Google it or you can memorize scripture. Now, I understand the internet has a lot of value. I use it all the time, but I'm smart enough to know that not everything you read is true. And further, when someone says, here, this guy's a PhD, he may be, she may be, that don't mean that they're right. Here's a lawyer. I read this from a guy. The lawyer has on his mug, and I think this is classic, this is really great. The lawyer has on his coffee mug, your Google search is not equal to my law degree. And that's true. Your Google search about your medical condition is not equal to a medical professional's diagnosis. 
Your Google search for virology and immunology is not equal to having a degree in one. I do my own research, as you know, but I never set myself up as now an expert in virology and immunology and all this stuff. My suggestion is let it go. Some are not. But I'm telling you that in the future, this is going to be more problematic than it already is. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will keep my eyes on God the whole time. And I'm not advocating being unintelligent and stupid because I don't believe that I am. I don't believe everything I read. I don't believe much of what I read, to be honest with you. And I always run everything through the scriptures, the filter of the scriptures, so that I don't compound my own anxiety or problems or whatever may be going on in my life by putting in fear and anger. These things make the matters worse. And they are for many professing Christians. They are for many people. Don't be one of them. Simply trust God. While you do your research, be humble about the fact that you're not an expert in law. You're not an expert in medicine. You're not an expert in a lot of things. It just so happens that I am an expert in Bible. And your Google search is not equal to my years and experience in degrees in the Bible. Now, if it's another Bible guy, and I just read one last night, we have something to talk about. And I'm going to give it to you. It's a young guy. John Wesley once said, he said this, let me read it to you. Light yourself on fire with passion, and people will come from miles to watch you burn. Well, that's what you find with a Google search. But one PhD, young guy, he's just written article after article that Wesley never said this. And I'm saying to myself, as I'm studying last night, who cares? You're spending all this time wasting your life, your time to prove he didn't say that. Well, here's the thing. It doesn't matter that he said it. It's still a good statement. But he's got to prove that he's done all this. It's a waste of energy. It's a waste of brain cells. It's a waste of time. Light yourself on fire with passion and people will come for miles to watch you burn. It's true. When you're passionate about something, people are going to come and listen to you. And who cares if John Wesley said it? Does it matter? Well, to this guy it does and to a few other people. But you can't have the fire of the Holy Spirit. And you're listening to someone who does a lot of researching. And let all that taint your mind and confuse you. Without going over here to the book of Acts. When Jesus says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Like the man I told you some time ago. And this happened about 30 years ago. Where I'm at a meeting where I was on this committee and sounding board for a television station that was developing. That we were on, as you know, for years. TV ministry. And they were having some issues with money. All ministries do. Challenges. And they're all talking about what they can do and raising money and all these different things and these clever telethons that go on. And I just proposed, I said, well, why don't we just pray? And the owner of a radio station just lit into me. Pray, pray, yeah, but we're talking about money. So I said at that point, the whole thing went off. Because I'm talking to someone who obviously has no idea of the power of God. Amen. See, some people think of prayer is just kind of something you add on to things, almost like you know, lighting a candle on a cake. But we really need some help with this cake. And God's in the kitchen baking, all the time baking. He's got all the recipes. He's got all the ingredients. We're not talking about putting up a flare and hoping that it works. We're talking about this is our connection with God. When we say, God, I need help. God, I'm in trouble. God, I need you. And the beauty of it is, if we don't waver in our faith with a double mind, switching back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, God does show up. He always has. In my life, he's always shown up. He's going to come. He will be here. He will show up. So let me give you this little thing that came to my mind last night. I did not read this from somebody. It's just the way I see it in this time in which we live. We have two choices in front of us. Quit or get lit. Now, some of us know the getting lit expression usually came from our night out with the guys and we're going to get lit tonight. But that's not my reference. 
My reference is that we can crawl up in the fetal position in a closet somewhere and just wait till this is all over, which is not going to be all over in that kind of a condition, or you can get lit with the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can get on fire with the Holy Spirit, and people will come to watch you burn, whether John Wesley said it or not. It doesn't matter. So, you know, this is an example of my research where I said, this is stupid. Why would you spend all that time on that dumb article? Make one statement, let it go, and get on to something substantial, like the Bible. Because, again, I do a lot of reading, and just a lot of things that I read, and even in theology, are just superfluous. It doesn't matter. What was the thorn in Paul's flesh? I read a book one time, a couple hundred pages, proving, proving that the thorn in the flesh was, and I even forget what it was. And I said to myself when I read the book, first of all, it was a waste of time reading it. Why spend all these months and maybe years researching something to make a point when it doesn't matter? The thorn in Paul's flesh is designed to bring a point to us that it's in weakness Christ's strength is perfected. He's not perfected in strength. He's perfected when we come to a place where we know I can't go any further. I don't have any more strength. I'm out of power. I'm out of juice. I don't have anything. God, you're going to have to come through. What a revelation to God that he needed to come through. What a revelation to God that he needed to take over. What a revelation to God that he had to be the one to help you through now that you've exhausted yourself and can honestly say, I don't have a clue what to do. And God says, well, I'm surprised. Well, all right, I guess I'll help you. God knows everything. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow, today. I don't, but he does. And so this is where trust becomes difficult because we're surprised by things. Life is filled with surprises. Some are pleasant. Not everything is all that pleasant. If you don't have a faith, a strong faith, to begin with, you're going to be crushed. Now's the time to build up your strength. Don't wait for a disaster. Build up your strength so that you can say, I sought the Lord in the past, and he always heard me, and he always delivered me, and so you have experience but if you lack the experience because you just haven't practiced what this book preaches, then every single time it's going to be the same scenario over and over and over again. You're going to be taken back by fear. You're going to submit to the anger and so on. Let me read you a few verses. And we heard it quoted earlier. So Isaiah 41.10. This is a message to Israel with application for you and I. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. First of all, if they weren't in a position to be tempted to be dismayed, which they were, that would be a superfluous statement. If you weren't at times afraid or anxious or depressed, then that's a superfluous statement. Fear not. 63 times I think it's used in the King James Bible. I will strengthen thee. Well, that means you're not strong at the moment. I will help thee. That means you're out of help perhaps this morning. Yea, I will uphold thee. That means that you're not able at the moment, by way of analogy, to stand on your own two feet. Somebody has to hold you up. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. I will. I will. Do you believe it? I'm here today because I believe it. Not because I feel great. Because I don't feel great. But I don't have to walk by my feelings. I walk by what I believe. God, you're going to show up. I'm out there. What was it this morning? Seven degrees? After I just told you some of the news that we received just this morning. To find out when I start my car. Oh, guess what? It's like that commercial. You know, the guy's always around wrecking things. Uh, <laughs> was it mayhem? He was at that tire. So I'm late to be here for the rehearsal. And, you know, I'm going to be a little bit late. That was before I knew I had a flat tire. You know, I got the digital display. How much air is in my tires? 28, 28, 28, 4. 
I said, I better check this. And sure enough, so I'm out there with a compressor. No gloves on I me. Mean, I had gloves, but I didn't use them. And trying to fill it. And I got it, you know, halfway filled to get down here. Then I got to figure out what I'm going to do when I'm down here. And that's how life goes. It's filled with these little trivialities at the worst time. When you really don't need a flat tire, it's like, surprise. Mayhem. Think of that guy. He was somewhere around today. But as I'm filling my tire in this Arctic weather that we have, I'm saying to myself, I don't quit. I don't give in. The easiest thing would have been to say, you know what, guys, it's just not working today. We have a couple of competent preachers here today that will stand in for me. But I want to be here. I want to be here for the preaching of the word. I want to be here with you. I want to be here. I'm the pastor. I want to be here. I'm the leader. I want to be here. So if I'm walking by my feelings, I could have just sent a little text. I'm not feeling good. <laughs> men, we got to start acting like men. Amen. I was determined to be here. I said to myself, I don't care if I die in that pulpit today. That's a good place to die for me. Amen. I'm not going to die, but I'm just saying that would be preferable than just sitting home, curled up in the fetal position and saying, oh, it's a tough time. Oh, and let me say something else to you as well. I'm hearing this more and more too. And I understand I'm being sympathetic. I just can't wait to go home. That means heaven. Okay, fine. I understand. I really do. That's not my mindset. I do want to go home. On my day that God has appointed, but until I finish my appointed rounds, whatever they may be now and in the future, I don't want to go home. I don't want to go home. Not yet. You may say, well, you might be cracking up. I'm not cracking up. I'm packing up. I'm not going to say, you know, God has not given unto you or me the spirit of fear, but of power and love and the sound mind. But Jesus told us directly, and it's all over the book, you're going to have trials, you're going to have tribulations, you're going to have these moments, but I've not given to you a spirit of fear. So now you have to walk through, and that's when it gets tough to trust God. That's when it gets tough to trust God. And that's what we're facing in the future. So I'm saying to you, let's train now. Or as they say in the Navy SEALs and Spec Ops, let's do the work today that others will not be able to do tomorrow. And remember the parable of the ten virgins. Five were prepared for the future. They were prepared for what was coming. And five were not. And when the event happened and the bridegroom came, they were not prepared for it. We have to prepare now. We have to use all of these little trials and tribulations as training for the future. So that when we are in hot water and things happen and so on, we are prepared for this. Do you really believe there's any human being, any flesh and blood that's going to come and deliver us from this? No. no. Well, I don't. That's why I half listen to what people say. All right. Buckle up. I mean it. Buckle up. I'm watching an interview with President Trump and Candace Owen, December the 24th. She started getting onto the vaccine. And all of a sudden, President Trump just comes out and says, that vaccination is the greatest discovery ever in the history of mankind. Now she's doing damage control. These are the people that are on the right. Now she's doing damage control. I said, well, you know, it's kind of old. Let me tell you two, a couple of things. Number one, all the notoriety that she has and popularity she has right now, she owes to him. I'm not saying that they don't use each other because they do. But you can't have it both ways. Would you agree with that? I don't care where you stand with the vaccine, quite frankly. It's just your business. You and your doctor. It's not my business. I'm not an immunologist. I'm not a medical doctor. I'm a doctor of the soul. And I'm advising you, as your physician of the soul, don't complicate your life. If you don't trust your doctor, find another one. If you do trust your father, uh, your uh, doctor, rather, then follow instructions or do something else. But 
You can't have it both ways. So now all of a sudden he goes from being the GOAT president to, well, you know, and I watched one guy. So this is, what, this is an example of complicating matters. Huge supporter of former President Trump. He went nuclear. That's it. I'm not voting for this man. What is he saying? What is he doing? And I'm looking, I wanted to make a comment. This was on YouTube. I wanted to make a comment and say, my dear friend, he's a Christian and he's a Leo. He's a police officer. You cannot have it both ways. We can disagree, you know, that's one thing. To go nuclear on the man that you've been supporting for all these years is not consistent with good thinking. My advice would have been, if he would listen to me, he won't. Just keep quiet and move on. What I'm trying to say is that we don't think consistently in a lot of areas. So now the GOAT becomes, I don't know about that. And this guy here, whose name I'm not going to mention, he's adamant. I will not vote for that man. Okay. Listen, anytime and every time you put your trust in the flesh, eventually you're going to be disappointed. I've been telling you this for a while. I'm not telling you who to vote for either. I'm just saying, I don't put my trust, I vote, yes. And I will do things to do what I can to help my country, but I'm under the very firm conviction that we need a great awakening. Not a political revival, not a political, we need political reform, but it's got to come out from a church that's truly lit. Not lit because we shout louder than the other churches or not lit because the musicians do whatever they do. You are lit because you even come to church, you're already lit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. You realize that everybody's full of something? And have you met people who are full of shaving cream? Well, we have a choice to be filled with shaving cream, filled with envy, filled with hatred, filled with fear, or filled with God. And then God's going to say, here it comes, and God's going to say, Hey, have you considered my servant, Pastor Ray Barnett? And I'm going to say, oh, oh, God, no, don't go there, God, because I know what's coming next. And that dog comes off the leash called Satan. Pop. And all of a sudden, you got this thing. I've been bitten a couple of times by dogs. All of a sudden, you got this thing latched onto you. I had a German shepherd latched onto my quad some years ago when I was a letter carrier. It wasn't fun. It would have been much better if they, you know, had him somewhere tied in the back. And that's fine. We can go up to the cage when Satan's behind his cage, you know. We hear preachers talk like that because he is on a restraining leash. Ah, you can't do nothing to me. You can't touch me. <laughs> and all of a sudden he says, yeah, your servants. Yeah, of course he or she is serving you, but you touch their life and they'll curse you to your face. And then God opens the cage and says, all right, just don't kill him. Yeah. Did you not read that in the Bible? So what happens then? You break down like little children start, we don't have that option. The only option we have is this. Quit or get lit by the Holy Spirit. Because as you draw closer to God, in a sense, God is bragging on you. He says, you see the progress my son and my daughter is making over here? And Satan says, yeah, but if you, and you fill in the blank, throw a cancer at them, they'll curse you to your face. Or throw a heart disease at them and they'll be so frightened that they won't praise you. They won't bless you at all times. The songs will just disappear. Is it true or not true? I mean, on a corporate level, is it true or not true in the church in general? Everything's going great. I feel like singing today. What do you do when you don't feel like singing? Oh. Well, I hope that you do. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. rejoice. Pastor, haven't you heard about COVID? Once or twice? Yeah. I, yeah, I've been hearing about it. So what? We see people are dying. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not insensitive to that. But for the Christian, sudden death, sudden glory. I'm not advocating dying. I'm just saying, whatever comes our way, we just sang it. 
He's able to handle whatever. But whatever sometimes is in our minds as these little things, you know, whatever. And boom, you're hit with this disaster. And in some cases, it comes one, then two, then three, then four, then five, and six, and seven. And your head is spinning. What do you do then? What do you do when you've taunted the devil? I got the t-shirt I was almost going to wear under here this morning, but I figured it wouldn't do any good under my dress shirt. Not today, Satan. But I still have it, and I'm wearing it. That's because God let him out of the cage, and God wasn't supposed to do that. See, the theology of many people today is that Satan's in a cage. He's locked up, and you could just go up there and taunt him. Uh-huh. Well, it's easy to taunt Satan in a kennel. But if you are walking away from Satan, and you hear, meaning you're going to be attacked. We go from theory to reality. We go from the training session to the actual fight, and the fight is on. And the casualty list is real, but the victory list is just as real. If we understand that Satan is going to attack us, and he's going to come after us, and he's going to throw things that are complex, complicated, and hurtful. And it was our father that said, okay, test my servant, but don't take his life or her life. Then what do we do? Fear not, for I am with thee. Let me read it again. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. As I sat on my perch over there behind that drum set this morning and heard our song leader quote that verse, that was all I needed to know God is with us this morning. Amen. Others, well, I don't know where they are. Some are sick, some are whatever. But God is with us. Amen. That was all I needed. And you know, in my experience, as you get older with the Lord, he doesn't give you like big buffets. He gives you a little bit, like you're on a diet, just a little bit. And you're saying, God, you know, come on, be a little more generous. Give me enough and stock my spiritual refrigerator so I go in there and say, I got enough for years to come. Well, I'm good. He'll give you manna to see if you're going to walk in his law or not. That's how we tested Israel for 40 years. They had just enough for one day. Amen. Sometimes our faith is like that. It's just enough for this day to get us through this day. Uh, but for those who say, oh, I need a week's worth of manna for this problem. God says, you have enough for today. You have enough for today. It's amazing to me when I read secular authors on various subjects that there are people who are advocating these type of things like live for the day and get through the stress of the day when Jesus already told us these things. Did we miss it? Or did we just not practice it? Let me go back and say this again. And have you ever trained for an event as I did in boxing? Well, let me tell you. It's a lot easier hitting a heavy bag than getting in the ring and fighting. In my case, it was always men, like grown men. That was the way I was trained. Well, hitting the heavy bag is kind of cool. And you know why? It never hits back. It doesn't have a strategy. And you can push it, and you can grab it, and you can do all these things. Then all of a sudden, you're in there with an opponent. You ever get hit on the bridge of the nose? That doesn't tickle. If you haven't boxed, if you've never been in the ring, have you ever found yourself on all fours on the canvas and can't remember how you got there? I remember being in what they used to call smokers, the non-registered amateur fights, and I was fighting a Golden Gloves champion. He was already a champion, Irish. And I was doing pretty good. Bob and we move him. All of a sudden, the next thing I know, there's kind of this tingly feeling in my head, and I'm on all fours. And I don't know where I am, how I got there, what happened, and he's in a neutral corner. And then the bell rang, and I went to my corner. My trainer was saying, were you hit, or was that a slip? I couldn't remember. I still don't remember. I don't know. Maybe I slipped. I don't know. I can only say this, the theory of fighting, you know, if you take martial arts, you know, you're in a fight and you're attacked, you do this, and then you do that, and then you come this way, and you come this way. Let me tell you something else about the streets. It don't work like that. 
There's no script. And so you have to be well-trained because there's a difference between the training and the reality. The reality puts you into a situation where, though you read these verses, and they're very nice to read when nothing's really going wrong, and you're comfortable, which we all have those periods, thankfully, then all of a sudden the enemy comes in like a flood, just like a flood. And if you're trained, it's still not pleasant. It's still not easy. But you know what to do. You know how to start moving. You know how to start throwing punches back. You get off of the defense and you get on offense. You start to do something about your situation. There's an old saying that has a lot of relevance to the time in which we live right now. Let me give it to you and think about this later when you go home. Why worry when you can pray? The fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's what the book says. I called on the Lord and he heard me. That's what the book says. And thousands of places or hundreds, hundreds of places we see men of God and women of God calling upon God and he shows up. But when the storm is on you, is God going to answer this time? Because that's how we all think. And when you don't know what to do, have any of you ever been in a position where you really, truly don't know what to do? And you're so overwhelmed? Is it just me? Is it just me? How many of you have been, are in, or may think you may be in a situation where you honestly, truly don't know what to do? Yeah. And I'm there a lot. And people say to me, what do we do? And it's like, I don't know. Let's pray. Oh, yeah, prayer. I forgot about prayer. Let's do what the scriptures see. This is the beauty of this book. When we don't know what to do, we have an instruction book. And it tells us what to do. Pray without ceasing. And we have all these instructions. What time I am afraid. What's the end of that verse? Anybody know? I will trust in thee. When I'm not afraid, does that mean I don't trust God? Not necessarily, but there's no need to start crying out to him because it's all good. But when you're out there in Arctic temperature, and you're just not in the mood for a flat tire. And people here are waiting on you and so on and so forth. And you got things spinning around all over in your head. That's the time when you say, what time I am afraid, what time I am frustrated, what time I'm weak, what time I'm in pain, I will trust in thee. I don't know what's going on here, Lord. I mean, God could have easily kept my car from having a flat tire this morning. And he could have. And you may argue that he should have, but he didn't. I don't know what's wrong, but we'll figure it out, him and I, later. But, so I got to come in here and ask my brother there, can you go put air so I'm not, so you all go home and now I'm stuck here with a flat tire. Man, you know, what do you care? I'm all alone in the freezing cold. Oh, well. Yeah, all right. We'll see. <laughs> I know you do. Let me tell you something. I want to be honest with you. I do brag about you as a church. Because I'd rather be here with you than many churches that I know of. It's taken us a while, I guess, to weed out those who shouldn't be here. And, you know, it's just like, fine, go where you're going. And there's an old saying, you know, in both pastorate and business as well. Every customer that comes in is a blessing. And when they leave, it's a blessing. Sometimes people come to the church and they're a blessing. And then when they leave, it's a blessing. So it's just a positive way of saying, hey, you were a blessing. And you're leaving. That's a blessing too. But so many of you here and some of us go way, way back many, many years, many, many years. You really blessed my life because I know I can count on you. Amen. And that means a lot. I'd rather be with you than people who just say, "Atta boy, pastor, you're my man. I've been jammed up sometimes, as you know. And I was in a situation, as many of you know, I won't go through the details now. I was in a situation 16 years ago where I stood up for what was right, alone, like Mordecai, 
I was alone. I mean, I was physically alone. I was just alone. And I would get called from a pastor saying, you're right. We're with you. Did you ever wonder who we are, or for that matter, who they are? You know what they say. Who are they? We're with you. I said, really? Then why did you come out and make a statement like I'm doing? Well, you know, I got a family. I said, I got a family? Well, I got a church. I got a church. I got married. I got to go break the oxen in. I got to go check out the land I just bought. All of that did not help me. And so you just start to write these people off. They are the sunshine soldier. I mean, anybody can join the military as long as you're not in combat. I had a friend of mine who has spent many years in combat, and I've had several of them. I have a young friend right now who's active duty Green Beret. I get along famously with these people. And he was in a battle where they were all sitting there, and they're nervous, you know? You're a real soldier. You're nervous. There's going to be real bullets flying at your real head, and some of your real friends are going to die. He was in the Marine Corps at the time. They're all sitting there wondering what to do as the enemy is approaching. And somebody just got up and said, you know what? Well, you know, the language is a little rough. I won't repeat it. But he says, nobody lives forever. Let's go. And they went out. And they shot. And they killed the enemy. Now, they're marching home. They're so tired from days of this particular battle that they were in. And you don't want to walk anymore. Even on your way home, you don't want to walk anymore. You just want to lay down. And in this case, because they were Marines, somebody just starts singing, from the holes of Montezuma. And all of a sudden, courage starts to come. And the strength starts to come into this particular unit of men that took on casualties and were dead tired, but they're able to do it. Did they want to do that? No. But that's the nature of war. And we are in a war with unseen principalities and powers. We are in a war that any tactic that the enemy can use, Satan can use, he will use. But we are to endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Not to just, as I said a couple of times so far, not to just crawl up in the fetal position one day and call up the pastor and say, I'm with you. No, you're not with me. You're crawled up in the closet. Come out here and join me. Oh, I got a family. Oh, I got a church. That's what I heard 16 years ago. Where are these men? I don't know. I'll tell you one thing. I wouldn't walk from here to that building right there to go hear them preach. Because for them, it's all theory, just a theory. And real soldiers that are in combat have experience. How many of you have experience with the enemy coming against your life? Sometimes at your wit's end. How many of you have wits? Yeah, that's good to say when it's all over, but it's difficult to say that we're going to beat these guys. And someone says to the officer of the day, he said, there's like 40,000 of them out there. We got like 2,000. And that's exactly where we are right now. And God often puts us in a position where there's nobody to look to but him. Now, I always look at that as an advantage. I don't always like it. I would much rather walk into Satan's neighborhood I mean, just stacked with people. I want to walk up to his cage with a million burly Christians, even if they're women, and, <laughs> and say, come on out here. Yeah, you, you, you know, old sleuth, what they call them, all these names we call them, until you look behind you, boom, they're all gone. <laughs> then you say to Satan, well, hey, I don't think we're serious now. I didn't really mean that. And that door comes open. Now what do you do? You better have faith because it's too late to buy it then. You better deal with the training now because there's more to come in this world. And if you're trained, you'll be able to withstand what's to come. But if you're putting off that training and you're thinking that your Google search is the same as having a theological degree or you think it's the same as having a degree in anything, including law, you're mistaken. Let me tell you something. I was in prison ministry for seven years. Not all, but many uh, inmates spend all of their time in the law library. 
and they got it knocked solid. They know this case. See, what they don't know is that law on the book doesn't always work out that way in a court of law because their search or Google search is not equal to a law degree. Do you realize that a lot of lawyers and judges play golf at the same country club? They have lunch with each other? They may be in the cart saying, Your Honor, whatever, but then a day or so later, they're at a family gathering together. I'm just saying there's more dynamics than just looking up what it says. And with the Bible, it's similar. With the Bible, it says things, but it leaves out. Um, you remember the old recruiting poster? Uncle Sam wants you. So you're reading through Job and you say, Wow, this is really great. Boy, if I was there, you know, I wouldn't have said these things. And then you hear this voice saying, God wants you. The theory is one thing. The reality is something else. That's what true faith is. You ever have Satan visit you in the middle of the night when you're sleeping? Can I see a show of hands? I have, it happens to me frequently. A crazy thought going through my head or some kind of nightmare or something else, something stupid or pain or whatever. And you know, in my case, what Satan says, you're going to have a heart attack. You know what you say? It's like, yeah, feel the pressure. How'd your father die? This is my case. How'd your father die? Heart attack. How'd all your uncles die? Yeah, heart disease. Now I have a decision to make. I have a decision to make with my will. My father may have. He did. Others may have. But you ain't taking me. Not yet. And when my time comes to go, it's Jesus that's going to take me. Amen. Not Satan whispering in my ear to put me in fear. Do you understand what I'm saying? Satan puts these thoughts in your mind. God doesn't. And sometimes, just like my boxing trainer, well, every time I went back to the corner after taking a beating, he'd say, you're getting an education. <laughs> and I wanted to say, is there another way to learn this? I went into school one day with two completely black and blue ears, which was a good sign because that means the punches were grazing off my head, but I was still taking it to the head. One of the young girls said, what happened to your ears? I said, I was in a fight. But gladly, they only got my ears. Isn't there a better way to learn than being in the ring with experienced fighters, which was my case? Being in there with men that had professional fighting records that didn't always have mercy on me? I would rather be educated by reading a dozen boxing books than talking big. You just put your hands up and all this stuff. If you could watch me get knocked around when I was 15 years old, and believe it or not, just throw this in as an aside, as a kind of interesting thing. I've had an interesting life. One of the men who didn't have mercy on me, who was a professional fighter, was Pat O'Brien's uh, brother, famous announcer. Not his brother, his father. Anyway, he kept telling me to cover up my belly, and I was intimidated. This guy's like in his 40s. I'm 15. So he taught me how to do it. Whack! Put his hand basically through my spine, <laughs> grabbed the ropes, and drug him in. I was doubled over. I couldn't breathe. And he said, I kept telling you, put your hands up. Well, that's Satan. Do you expect Satan to treat you well because you're begging for help? Oh, please don't torment me. I need to sleep tonight. Forget about it. You understand? Forget about it. Forget about it. You better get your gun out. I don't mean your gun gun. I mean your Bible gun. And say, the scriptures say, thus saith the Lord. God has said. And God still isn't there. Where is he when you need him? Is he working on somebody else's case? What's the delay? He should have been here a long time ago. Meanwhile, his pain is this, his confusion, his tears, all these things that we all go through. But God says, I want to see if you're going to walk in my law or not. I want to see if you're going to obey me. I want to know what's going on in your mind to say, I will not give in. I will not be this. I will not offend God and so on. I will not sin against the Lord. Then your chance of deliverance is much, much closer because God is testing us. Don't you believe any theology that says the devil does all the evil and, you know, God, of course, is good. He can't do evil. But he did create Satan. 
just like my trainer brought in this man, Joe O'Brien, and several others. Big guys, big men. And men that weren't always in their right mind. A 15-year-old kid fighting these guys, sparring, trying to learn as they're tagging me in the head and tagging me in the stomach and giving me an education. I got an education. I got an education in his book when I listened to all the preachers on the radio that always said, all you got to do is have faith. And they're going home from the service with a chauffeur in a Rolls or some big car and they're just sitting in the back, whatever they're doing. And I'm doing manual labor. I said, what is wrong with me? This isn't supposed to work out that way until I read the book. And then I found out that every single person in this book had a difficult time of it. Until I found out by experience that there's a difference between reading a book on training and actually being in the fight. And you and I both know we are in this fight. We're in this fight. So now it's time to strike back. And we do that through prayer. We say to Satan, you are going to let go of my children. You are going to let go of my marriage. You are going to let go of my body and so on and so forth. You can't just stand there and get hit. A famous chess master once said, no one ever won a game of chess by resigning. We're called to win. To him that overcometh will I give. And there's all these promises in the book of the Revelation. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. But faith is not easy. Faith is tested in the reality of life. Faith is tested. And you know this to be true. So this morning, what shall we do? Well, like Patrick Henry said, for me, give me liberty, give me death. I ain't living in this trap. I'm not living this kind of torment. First John, and this is a bit of an exhortation. Chapter 4, look at verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. If you, and I know several of you have had issues with anxiety and depression, you can feel at times tormented. Tormented with the thoughts that come through your head. Tormented with the whispering accusations of the devil. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? For me, I got a double blessing. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. That's primary. And I'm Irish. So you want to take me out? Beat me to death. But I'm not quitting. And I'm not giving in. And I'm not giving up. And I'm not even saying I know what to do because I don't. I just know that if you want to overcome fear, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has torment. He that feareth. Here's the exhortation. Here's where we're going to end. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. When there's doors where Satan can still get you to fear. Now, I'm not talking about pain and suffering. I'm talking about the fear that goes along with those things and depression and so on. When you still fear, that means there's still areas of your life where you've got to really learn that God does care. That we can cast our care upon him because he cares for us. And not to have to worry about the result that may be imminent right in front of you. And say, the Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And cast our cares upon him, which I'm going to submit one last time to you, is not easy to do. Don't let anybody fool you that it is. It is not. It is not easy to say, I refuse to fear. I refuse to be tormented by the fear of this and the fear of that. And what about this and what about that? And what about those things that we worried about, people worry about, that never came to pass? Most of them don't. What about that? You're paying interest on freight that hasn't been delivered. You don't even have the product yet. And Satan's got you already making payments on it. So let me ask you this and we'll pray. You don't have to raise your hand or say anything. You're being tormented today? Well, the testing may continue. The torment doesn't have to. 
if you really trust God, he's going to come through. You don't even have to like the results because sometimes God does have his judgment on things and it's going to turn out some way that you prefer that it didn't, but it's going to. And there's going to be pain, but you don't have to be tormented anymore. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Let me just say one other thing too. When does Satan attack you the most? When you're here or when you're alone? When you're alone and you're laying on the bed and that voice comes and say, you're not going to heaven or other things. But when we're together and we have fellowship, we're in a unit and we can strengthen one another with our prayers, with our words of encouragement and so on. You can end the torment today by saying, I refuse to fear. Being tormented today, devil got you twisted. Let's cast our care upon him because 1 Peter 5, 7 says he cares for you. Father, we come before you today and we just thank you. Many people are afraid of many things, but you say throughout the scriptures, fear not. Fear not, Abraham, for I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. We read these things, we see these things, we hear these things. We bless you today, Father God, and we praise you for what you have given to us. You have not given unto us the spirit of fear, but you've given to us the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's what we claim. I pray today for all who are being tormented in the wee hours of the morning when they're alone or at other periods of their life when they're distressed by their problems which come, that they will remember not to fear. Deal with the problem as it is. Do whatever you can do and leave the rest in God's hands. Father, we bless you and we praise you and we thank you. Jehoshaphat sent out the singers in a battle that was impossible for them to win. And they kept praising the mercy of the Lord. And the enemy defeated itself. We bless you and praise you in our situations. That if we would bless more and praise more. It is certain that the enemy will trap himself. And be found not successful. But Lord, as long as we give in. We have no alternative but to be tormented. Help us today, Father. Pour out your spirit. Touch us. Touch everyone. Touch all of my friends. All my brothers and sisters. Not only those that are here, but those who are watching by the live stream. Listening by the way of the radio. I ask you today, Lord Father God, to just touch and to bless. Remind us during the week to love you with all the heart, all the soul, all the mind, and all the strength. And to love one another. And if we do, we shall never be defeated, nor shall we ever be disappointed. And I pray those things today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.